Heavenly Father, at this time we pause to center our hearts, to quiet our minds, and to focus on what it is you have to say to us today. Bless the reading of your word that is about to be read. Bless the hearing of it. May your spirit move upon us. May this word take root in our heart. May it somehow transform us today to be more Christ-like disciples. Bless this time that we have in your presence and in the presence of each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 and then verses 18 through 24. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. Now when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him, and with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As I mentioned in the children's sermon, this this portion uh, of the book of Acts, this time in the church's history represents a time of great fear. 
And we've been talking about that the past few weeks. We've been seeing, you know, how persecution was starting to take place and how some of the, uh, the believers, some of the disciples were beginning to be persecuted, even executed for their beliefs. And so here you have Herod, uh, who's in power, and he is, is really decided to take it to the Christians. And so we have the early church, no doubt many of them uh, living in probably what can only be described as a state of, of fear, or at least a state of deep concern. But uh, when we think about living in a state of fear, and I think this is especially important for us and relevant for our time, we, we must uh, realize that fear, if it goes unchecked and if we're not care- careful, can often lead to anger. And anger can destroy not just those around us, not just our communities and, and families and people that we care about, but anger can destroy us from within when we allow our fear and our concern to to be turned that way. So let's talk about what happened here in uh, in this passage. It starts off by saying that James was killed. James, the brother of John. Um, Now, this isn't the James who wrote the book of James. This isn't James, the brother of Jesus. This was James, the son of Zebedee. And if you remember back in the Gospels, there was a time where James and his brother John, they were called the Sons of Thunder, they came up to Jesus and they said, which one of us will be seated at your right hand when you come into your kingdom? Now this was a, a ridiculous question for them to ask, um, but they, didn't, they had no idea what they were asking. They thought that Jesus flesh and blood in their day and time during their lifespan was going to take up an earthly throne there in Jerusalem. And so when they asked this question, which one of us are going to be seated at your right hand, basically what they were saying is, which one of us are you going to make your secretary of defense? In other words, which one of us is going to have a position in your cabinet where we are the closest to you? We have the closest access. We are your right hand person. They were asking for a position of power once he set up what they thought would be an earthly kingdom. And Jesus' response to them was, you have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know what you're asking. He said, if you follow me, you must taste from the same cup that I drink from. And you will. And what he was referring to was the way that he would be persecuted, the way that he would suffer, and the way he would ultimately be put to death. And he was telling them, you're going to have to suffer the same fate. And so we see here in this passage the fulfillment of that prophecy. James was put to death for his belief in Jesus Christ, for following him. And later his his brother John would be imprisoned, and, and many historians believe that he was also executed for his faith as well. And Peter would be too. Peter eventually would be crucified, but not here, not today, not in this passage, because it says that James was put to death, and then when Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter and was going to make an example out of him too. And so everybody just knew, okay, James has already been been killed, Peter's next. And remember what I said last week, Peter was kind of the, the top dog. He was the big dog of the church. So this, this was very concerning to the people of the church. James, one of Jesus' closest followers, has been killed. And now Peter is in prison awaiting his execution. So this was certainly a time of concern and probably a time of fear for the church. But God uses this circumstance to tell the church 
I'm with you. To remind them, I am with you even during this dark time. And he delivers Peter. And as I said, Peter wouldn't be delivered permanently, but but God wasn't done with Peter and what Peter had to do in the church. And God used this deliverance of Peter to assure the church, listen, I'm in control. And I'm with you. Even though things are bad, things are happening, people are required to suffer, and that's just part of it, through it all, I'm still going to let you know that I'm with you. And that I can send my angels at any time to, to deliver you, to free you from bondage, and you just need to trust that I am here with you. In the book of Joshua, uh, there's a passage where Joshua has, you know, he's, he's, he's led the people of Israel into the promised land. They, they had been freed from Egypt, wandered through the, the des- desert. Uh, Moses died, and then Joshua takes him into the promised land. And then he's at his old age, and he's about to die. And there's this passage where he gathers everyone around. It says he gathers all the elders, all the scribes. He calls all the people of Israel together, and he goes through the history of Israel. And he starts talking about Abraham and how God promised Abraham something, but God was with Abraham through that. And then he says, and God was with Jacob even when Jacob became a a sojourner and was a stranger in the land. God was with Jacob. And then God was with the tribes. When you were in slavery in Egypt, God was with you. When you were delivered, God parted the Red Sea for you. When you crossed through the wilderness, God was with you and God brought you into the promised land. Now, this wasn't the first time in Scripture that the entire history had been recalled, but Joshua did something different. He recalled their history and reminded them that at every point along the way, God was with them. God is with us now. At Christmas time, we talk about Emmanuel. God is with us. But God is with us all year round, not just at Christmas time or not during the Advent season. Now, I want you to do something right now. This, this might feel a little strange, but I want everybody to close their eyes just for a moment. I'm, I'm not trying to give you a head start on your nap. I'm just, I just want you to close your eyes and, and just, just think back now to a time in your life that was very trying. An anxious time, a worrying time, a, a sad time, a time of tragedy, a time of darkness. And I want you to remember that time And then I want you to think now, with today's hindsight, I want you to look at that time and say, God was with me in that. And maybe you can recall something. Maybe you can see an expression of kindness that someone offered you. A word of encouragement. Maybe you can sense God's love somehow reaching out to you in that moment. Maybe you can't. Maybe you went through that time and you were thinking, I I never saw God. I never saw how God was with me through that. Well, I want you to open your eyes now. And I want you to, to look at where you are today, this morning. And you may be going through a trying time right now. You may be going through tragedy right now. But you are here in God's house surrounded by brothers and sisters of the faith who love you. And who are praying for you. And I want you to think, if if that time was in your past, that dark time, that tragedy, whatever it was, I want you to realize God has delivered you from it. And if you are going through it now, God is with you in the midst of it. 
And his hands and his feet are all present around us right here in this room with all these little ambassadors. The word Christian means little Christs. We are surrounded by little Christs all around us to remind us that God is always near. God is always with us in every circumstance. And it does us good to look back at our own history and to recall how God has been with us even when we didn't realize it. And that's what Joshua was, was doing when he, he told the people of Israel, look back at your whole history and you can see where God was with us even when we didn't recognize it, even when we didn't know. And so let's, let's take all of that and then bring it into today's context. We live in a world of fear. We live in a world of anxiety. We live in a world where a lot of people are angry about a lot of things. The early church lived in a time like that. Fear and anger and anxiety. But how did they respond? Did they get together and protest and bring weapons and shout and get in violent altercations? Did they go storm the palace and try to overthrow Herod? No. It says what they did. When, when James was killed, when Peter was arrested, it says... The church prayed. That's all it says. They didn't try to lead some violent uh, 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 insurgents into the the palace and, and overthrow everything. Because vengeance is the Lord's. Vengeance is God's. And and zealots, there were these people called zealots. They had no place in, in God's kingdom, in Christ's kingdom. There were people who followed Jesus who were zealots. They were these people who wanted to use violence to overthrow the government. And when Jesus first started his ministry, he had this collection of zealots following him because they didn't understand his message. They didn't understand his kingdom. And they got very annoyed when he would not violently overthrow the government. Zealots had no place and what Christ was trying to do. In fact, the one zealot we know by name in Scripture, or one of the ones we know by name, was Judas Iscariot. We saw how that went. He didn't understand the mission or the purpose of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. People who are quick to anger, quick to fear, are demonstrating that they don't trust That God is going to take care of things. But God does. Vengeance is his and he struck Herod down. Now what I find funny is that he didn't strike Herod down for the persecution. He killed James and Herod continued to live. And then he imprisoned Peter and he continued to live. Why is that? Remember Saul was persecuting Christians and he had the the blood of Christians on his hands. But he he continued to live. And then... When he met Jesus on Damascus Road, he changed. And Herod continued to live, even as he was persecuting the Christians and having them put in prison and put to death. But then when God intervened, what was it because? It was because Herod wanted glory for himself. He elevated himself above God. The historian Josephus says that Herod had this robe that had uh, silver woven into the threads. And so in this passage, when it says Herod came out for his oration and put on his royal robe, uh, you could imagine that it had silver woven into the thread. 
And when he came and he stood out on the porch to talk and it was outside, the sun would shine on this robe and it would radiate light. And so when he came out there and did that, the crowd said, Look, it's a God, the voice of a God and not of a man. And Herod ate it up. That's what he was after. You see, Herod only got to his position of power because he had had powerful friends. And he was a man of no convictions. It says that he imprisoned Peter just simply because he saw that it made people happy. So he was trying to make people happy and trying to get all this fame and praise and glory for himself. And then when he elevated himself above God, that's when God struck him down. He said, I can't have this. Can't have this. You see, when somebody puts themselves above God, their pride has gotten out of hand. Last week we talked about Peter. Maybe he had a little problem with pride. Remember, he said, not so, Lord. I won't eat that food you're telling me to eat. Peter had a little pride problem. But he surrendered it to God. And you could tell because when he went to see Cornelius, he said, get off your feet. I'm just a man. Herod was the opposite. Herod's pride, he was going to get out of control because he wanted all this glory and all this praise. You see, when, when I, I read this chapter, I, I noticed that there was something like two lessons in here. I said, okay, there's, there's God's deliverance of Peter. God intervenes, delivers Peter. And then there's God strikes Herod down. And those are two different lessons. I could preach two different sermons on that. Then I realized, no, it's, it's one lesson. We serve a God who balances grace with truth and with justice. God will deliver God will spare us. God even spared Herod. God had uh, mercy on Herod for a little while. But then ultimately, God is just. We, uh, have, we had four chickens in our backyard until this past week. We went to auction 41 and Liam won in a drawing a rooster. Now the four that we had were all hens. So I like to think that maybe this was God's way of bringing balance to our chicken coop. One of our hen's name is Grace. And so since the rooster brings balance to that, we named the rooster Justice. You see, God's grace and God's justice work together. They balance each other out. We sing that song at Christmas time where we say, He rules the world with truth and grace. That's exactly right. You can't have one without the other. Truth, if, if, if all God was was truth and justice and no grace, we would all be stricken dead right where we are, right? But thankfully, God's grace intervenes. And if all there was was God's grace and no justice at all, then everybody would be free to do whatever they wanted. With no consequence. But God rules the world perfectly with truth and with grace. And that's what we see in this passage. God's mercy, God's grace, God's deliverance. Represented in Peter. And even Herod to some extent. And then ultimately God's justice. And the two of them work together to show us that God is present. He's with us. He's everywhere. Always. All the time. And you could say, well, I don't feel God right now. I don't feel God's presence in my life. I feel empty right now. God is not a feeling. Our feelings, our emotions are fickle, and they can betray us. But I want you to do something. Just breathe in right now. 
Everybody breathe in. You can breathe out too. (laughs) That breath is proof that God is with you. Because God breathed life into each of us. It says that we were dust of the ground and God breathed into us. And that, that breath is our life. That breath is a sign that God is, not, not just that he did, but that he is breathing life into us. Because as long as we have breath, as long as we can inhale and exhale, as long as our heart is beating, God is sustaining us. God is breathing life into us. And there may be times where we can't see him or feel him or hear him, but we can allow our breath, our heartbeat, to remind us He's with us. He's sustaining us. And it's good to have a reminder like that. The night before Liam was born, Claire and I went to dinner at Buffalo Wild Wings, and then we, we came back home to our apartment and we decided to listen to records. And one of the records we put on was the John Lennon rock and roll album where he covers a lot of the old 1950s songs, and we put that on and, uh, and the song Stand By Me started playing. And we got up and we started slow dancing. Of course, she's nine months pregnant, so I'm, I'm kind of dancing like this. But we, we started dancing. Later that night, when we were in bed, Claire started uh, hemorrhaging. We had to take her to the emergency room. They had to do an emergency C-section. She had what they called an abruption where uh, she was internally bleeding and it was uh, drowning the baby. And as they put Claire there on the the hospital bed, they wouldn't tell us what was going on. And Claire asked the nurse, am I going to die? And the nurse patted her on the hand and said, you let me worry about that. And I stood there by Claire and I held her hand and my mind raced back to just hours earlier when we were dancing to that song, Stand By Me. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to stand by her, no matter what, no matter what we go through. And then they rolled her off somewhere and told, told me I couldn't go. <laughs> and I couldn't go with her. And I felt so helpless. But I knew that God was in there with her. In the years since, every time we hear that song, it reminds us of that night. And we think about how we stand by each other, how we are there together for each other. But even in those times where we can't be there for each other, God is with us. And just as that song reminds us, we too can allow the very breath from our lungs and our heartbeat to remind us that God stands by us. That even in those places where nobody else can go in with us, God is there. God is just. He's sovereign. He's merciful. It's easy in today's world to be scared. It's easy to sometimes become angry about what's going on or to become anxious. Let us remember that vengeance is always the Lord's and not our own. When a Herod falls, it's not because we brought him down or we did something wonderful to make it happen. It's because the Lord brought him down. God is merciful, but God is just. We may suffer. We may find ourselves persecuted and oppressed. And I would go so far as to say that we had better find ourselves persecuted and oppressed at some time. Because if we are following someone who is persecuted, 
then it, it stands to reason that we too will be persecuted as well, right? I would say that if you have never suffered in the least bit at all for your beliefs or for your faith or your trust in Jesus, then you're probably not following him right. Suffering comes with it to a certain extent because we follow, we walk with someone who suffered. But if we are following him, the one who suffered, we also know that he is with us, right? If we're following him, he is with us. When a Herod falls, it's because they exalted themselves above God rather than standing behind God and following. When a Herod falls, it's because they've traded their convictions for their own glory. They sought their own way above God's way, their own glory above God's glory. So let us remember to never be that way. Let us instead find rest, find hope, and find trust by standing behind Christ where we can follow him rather than exalting ourselves above him. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us for all the times that we have exalted ourselves above you, for all the times that we have put our desires and our will above yours. And help us instead to follow you, whatever that may take. And Lord, thank you for your reminders all through scriptures, through this passage we read today, that no matter what we go through, no matter what suffering or trial that we might face, you are present, you are with us. We thank you that you are with us, that you love us. And we pray that you give us those reminders, even in those times when we feel alone, that you show us, remind us, bring to our heart, bring to our attention that you are there in the midst of it all. Lord, we have faith, we believe, forgive our unbelief, and increase our faith and our trust in you day by day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning comes from the Cokesbury Hymnal. It's hymn number 94, God Will Take Care of You. If you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you and encourage you to come forward and share that with the congregation. Uh, if not, just remember the altar is always open if you would like to come and, and spend some time with God there. But please stand if you are able. Join us in singing hymn number 94 from the Cokesbury Hymnal. God will take care of you.